Hey, hi, and hello. Welcome to Creative Forever, the podcast dedicated to keeping you forever inspired, forever motivated, forever creative, and forever you. I am Janet, a.k.a. JM, a.k.a. The Voice Inside Your Head, a.k.a. Your Biggest Fan. And together, we're going to get some creative shit done. We are doing our first book chat on the podcast. I'm so excited. Um, This is going to be great fun. I hope this is something that we can do often. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, So this means that the episode's going to be a little longer than usual. And we're going to jump right in so that, you know, we can get it going. A quick note about how Creative Forever will do these kinds of book chats. Um, I'll talk about the writer. I'll give a little background, get into the themes in the book, and then discuss how, you know, how the book makes me feel or the emotion of the book, the impact that it left, things like that. We will not do spoilers or go into detail about major plot points without letting you know first. And usually that will be at the very, very end of the podcast. Um, But the idea is to get you excited about the book so that you would read it if you have not. um, Or we make you want to go back to the book with fresh eyes if you have. Or maybe check out the Audible uh, version and listen to it instead. Mainly, we're just trying to get you excited about some books that you may not know about or that you read a long time ago. Um, And our first book is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin O'Leary Sines. Um, Check the show notes for links to the book on Amazon and Audible, and I hope you enjoy. My guest today is the one and only Paul K. Ola. Hello. Hello. Paul is a writer, podcaster, blogger, actor, and all-around creative person. He is a wonderful guy, not only a good friend and my best man, but also my main writing partner. And when I say that, I mean we work together, we read each other's stuff, we give notes and feedback and support, and generally keep each other motivated and sane. Is that pretty much how we work together? Absolutely. You're, You're my writing coach. You're the one I turn to to tell me, like, just write something. We'll fix it later. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, I am the person that always says that. But you are you're not only my writing coach, but you are like my pure inspiration because you turn out the work. I'm I'm oh. in awe of it. I am. I'm flattered. I'm flattered. I think I just sent you a quote. I don't remember what author it was that that tweeted this, but it said, uh, "Make make good friends with the most uh, motivated writer you know." Yes. <laughs> you, you know, make friends with someone who writes all the time, and they will make you write all the time. Oh. And that that was that was you for me. Oh, that is absolutely <laughs> you for me. I love it. I love it. Um, you guys, I invited Paul to come uh, to the show today to talk about this book that I love, and I think he loves it too. Um, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin O'Leary Signs. Are you ready to jump into this book? I am ready. I, I, this, I love this book so much that, you know, we live in New York City. We don't have a lot of space. And so almost all of my books I buy are ebooks just because I simply can't fit the mm-hmm. number of books that I own. Mm-hmm. And this is one that I bought the ebook of and then uh, bought the hard copy afterwards. I was like, no, I want the hard copy of this book. I want to be able to feel the pages of this book yes. between my fingers. Yes, I own this book <laughs> as well. And um, the last time 
I read it again for the pod, but I also listened to the Audible book, um, oh. which is narrated by Lynn manuel Miranda. And oh, that's amazing. It's so good. At first, I, was, mm-hmm. I have to say, at first, I was a little skeptical. I was like, I don't need Hamilton to half wrap a book to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, fair. Lin- it, Lin-Manuel has a very specific uh, energy. Yeah, cadence. Like. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad we, he, that I listened to it and that he did read it to me because it sort of changed um, my perspective on the book a little bit. So we can talk about that. Oh, cool. Later. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Um, but yes, I also own the physical book and need it in my life and find myself mm-hmm. thumbing through it occasionally, especially when I need a little bit of inspiration um, because mm-hmm. I love uh, Mr. Sines's writing. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. I find his writing to be incredibly lyrical, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is not something I, it's, it's something that I struggle with in my own writing. I think, you know, I, I don't, I, I very rarely write a sentence and think, oh, that's beautiful. Right, right. <laughs> I think that's, oh, that's workmanlike. That, that gets the job done. And, <laughs> and he writes in this way that it really transports you somewhere. I Oh, my God. I couldn't agree more. He, I mean, he's a poet. Yeah. So that's, it's, it yeah. really shows in his, in his work. Um, all right. A little bit about Benjamin uh, O'Leary Signs. He is a novelist and a poet born in 1954. A lot of his storytelling is immersed in Chicano culture he himself being Mexican-American. He mm-hmm. was born and raised in New Mexico and lived much of his life in El Paso, Texas, although he has lived and taught all over the world. Mr. Signs has won numerous awards for his poetry. He was a poet fellow at Stanford. He has also won numerous book awards. Um, this book has more than three awards, but we're, I'm only going to mention three. Uh, the Stonewall Book Award, the Lambda Literary Award, and the Pura Belpre Award, which uh, listeners should know is an award for an exceptional Latina or Latino writers and illustrators who celebrate their culture. Wow. Um, Pura Belpre is uh, a writer and educator, and she was the first Puerto Rican librarian at the New York Public Library in 1921. Oh. So it's, yeah, isn't that cool? It's- Names you should know. Names you should know, people you should know about. So it's a very prestigious award to have won. And, and I mean, this guy, he, he's writing poems. He's writing books. He is a professor. He's um, prolific as well. So many books. So he has a master's in creative writing. He, I believe he has a PhD in American literature. Um, what I read said that he was three or four years into it, so I don't know if he is finishing, has finished, didn't finish, but half a PhD is more than I have, so that's sure. awesome. Um, <laughs> Way more than I have. Exactly, right? And then he just started a podcast this year, which is quite interesting. I listened to the first one, um, and I, I just I love that this guy is in his 60s and doing his thing, writing books, earning awards, um, poetry, and now he's podcasting. is fantastic. Yeah. He's living his best life. I also found out, because I was doing research for this, that he didn't come out as gay until he was 54. Yes. And he said one, one of the struggles he had with writing this book is he felt like he was outing himself. Yeah. It reads so young, and just to know that a man that came out so late in his life wrote it, it's just, it's amazing to me. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And wrote it so late in his life, like he, that he could still remember that that teenage 
ness, which I mean, I guess if you think about it, like a lot of gay people um, talk about how they're they have their adolescence later, they have their adolescence when they come out, and I wonder if maybe that that his own personal journey with that was able to lend him this truth, right? That he was really able to conjure those feelings that feel more distant to those of us who have lived uh, out of the closet for a longer period of time. I don't know. That's a, I just completely pulled that out of my ass while we were talking. Oh, can we curse? Yeah, yeah, you can curse. You can curse. And <laughs> okay. you didn't pull that out of your ass. He must have trans- been transported back to that time. And, and it didn't matter that he's 50 years old. He was 16 again. The book takes place in El Paso, Texas, and the year is 1987. The back of the book reads as such, Dante can swim. Ari can't. Dante is articulate and self-assured. Ari has a hard time with words and suffers from self-doubt. Dante gets lost in poetry and art. Ari gets lost in thoughts of his older brother who is in prison. Dante is fair-skinned. Ari's features are much darker. It seems that a boy like Dante, with his open and unique perspective on life, would be the last person to break down the walls that Ari has built around himself. But against all odds, when Ari and Dante meet, they develop a special bond that will teach them the most important truths of their lives and help define the people they want to be. But there are big hurdles in their way, and only by believing in each other and their power of friendship can Ari and Dante emerge stronger on the other side? Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm already, I'm already like, I need to read this book now. I also, and I, I love that it, it also um, tells you that it's not going to be a tragedy. Right. <laughs> there is, there is a, this, this is a book about, you know, some, there's some very unhappy things in this book, <laughs> but mm-hmm. that it, it, this lets you know that you're not going to read this and be like, well, I need to curl up under the covers for a week and just contemplate the trash fire of the world. Right, right. They emerge stronger. Uh huh. Yeah. There is hope. Absolutely. Um, I like that it also sets the mood. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of a two fish. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm mixing metaphors here. Mm-hmm. No one's really a fish out of water. It's more like two fish in the same pond, but they're very different fish, right? <laughs> yeah. And how will like they two, two salmon swimming upstream? <laughs> yeah. And how will they uh, swim together? <laughs> I I yeah. don't know. It's it's very it sets it up very well. They're opposites, even like the fair skin darker skin, um, right. self-doubt, assured and articulate, like really just sets up like we're going to meet two different boys and they're going to help each other grow. First page of the book mm-hmm. is, it starts with uh, the title here says, The Different Rules of Summer. The problem with my life was that it was someone else's idea. One summer night, I fell asleep, hoping the world would be different when I woke. In the morning, when I opened my eyes, the world was the same. I threw off the sheets and lay there as the heat poured in through my open window. My hand reached for the dial on the radio alone was playing. Crap, alone. A song by a group called Heart. Not my favorite song, not my favorite group, not my favorite topic. I was 15. I was bored. I was miserable. As far as I was concerned, the sun could have melted the blue right off the sky. Then the sky could be as miserable as I was. I mean, it sets the mood. 
yeah, you're in a place right there. I would just like to say that Alone by Heart is objectively perfect. It's such a good song. It's an amazing song. Do not try it in karaoke unless you're Sutton Foster. You can't do it. But it is a perfect song. Well, <laughs> I, I, I would disagree. I think that if you are in a place, please <laughs> do it. It might not be perfect, but I want to I want to see somebody crying on stage. If you're going to act it, go for it. Okay, so Paul, tell me, you've read this book a couple of times? Uh, three times. times. Three times. Three times. Mm-hmm. Okay. For you, especially since you read it now with a sort of critical eye, mm-hmm. what is this book about? What really struck me about it this time was how male the book is. Hmm. It is a story about boys and and their relationship to their parents, but more to their fathers. Mm-hmm. Then their mothers are there. Their mothers are are important, and they definitely have their own characters. I don't think they're you know shunted off and or one dimensional or anything like that. But I, I really think it's about masculinity and what masculinity does. Yeah, and and how it can be expressed in different ways, and how. You know, I, I don't know if when he wrote this, if 2012, if the term toxic masculinity was as in the cultural lexicon as it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suspect it wasn't, but it, it, it I, I'm not positive, but it, it really feels like a book about what we can do to young boys yeah. without totally meaning to and and what the societal pressures and the societal uh, expectations can cause. Yeah. And and how that affects Ari's father, Ari, Dante, Dante's father, and, and how it affects their relationships with each other. That it, it was and I don't mean to say it's a male book in the sense that I don't think women can get something out of it. I, I just think it happens to be a story about men. I think it is a universal story that everyone can connect to, but it is a story about men mm-hmm. and one that I think is important. It's not a story that you've seen eight thousand times about men. Right. <laughs> right. It's also about, for me, family and secrets. Um, yes, and it sort of Yeah, and it sort of turns it on its ear because, like I said, it's not about the gay themes in that the gay themes aren't the secret. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the right. family isn't being torn apart or having conflict um, because of any of the gay themes of the book. They are having conflict because of a different secret. I wonder how many people read the book and think, I am already an advocate for LGBTQ plus people. So I'm, I'm good to go. There's nothing here that I'm going to necessarily learn. But then they start reading and it's like, oh, secrets. Right. Se- yeah. Secrets can fuck a family up. Oh, I'm a parent. Maybe I should talk to my kids <laughs> about X, Y, and Z because they, they notice this stuff. I just, I think it's so great. It's like you, you come for the LGBTQ. Uh, TQ plus themes, but you stay for the family secret stuff. <laughs> yeah, you stay for the, the those themes are even more universal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an important and unique story, I think, and and also really, really um, deeply Mexican. He really was pulling on his uh, ancestry. Yes, and he makes a point to talk about that in his interviews and and things like that. He is very inspired by and motivated by his Chicano culture. And he has this book that talks about it. He's got another book that I am now currently reading called Everything Begins and Ends at the Kentucky Club. 
and the Kentucky Club is a bar, I believe, in El Paso, um, if not very close to the border. And it is a group of short stories about different people that come in and out of this bar. Um, so I, I agree with you. I love how immersed in the culture he is and and how that ends up being inspirational, I think, to Latino and Latina um, people that are reading the story. Yeah. Who do you think he, as the writer, um, had in mind for his audience when writing this? And I ask because this show is, a, is about being creative forever. And mm-hmm. there are things that we can do um, to make sure that happens in our creative lives. And I think one of them is reading things, but also thinking about the writer as the writer when we're reading them. So mm-hmm. he's sitting down, he's writing this book, he's trying to come out as he's writing this book. Who do you think his audience is um, as he writes it? You know, to a, to a certain extent, I, have, I think I have an annoying answer for this question because I think as a writer, your audience is always yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think, and and I think that really comes through in the in the themes of coming out and what he what we now know he was going through as he was writing this. But right, I also right. think that his his uh, dedication, uh, which is uh, to all the boys who had to learn to play by different rules, mm. is is really, and again he says boys in the dedication and say people he says boys yeah yeah and it's. <clears throat> It's to young Mexican men, I think, that that's mm-hmm. what he's thinking of. And, and not necessarily, I don't even think necessarily gay young Mexican men. So that's that's what I think of. How about you? Um, I, I think he absolutely was, I, just before I read any interviews, anything, mm-hmm. before I knew how old he was or when he came out, um, I was like, he's writing this book for himself. Yeah. And I, it was so clear to me that he was Ari. Um, yeah. And that just really made me fall in, in love with the book. Like I love first person storytelling. I love storytelling through letters and, and journals and things like that. I, I just, it's my favorite thing in the world. So mm-hmm. it felt so clear to me that it was Ari. He was Ari and that he was writing this book for himself. Um, but then as I read it, I was thinking, you know what? He wrote this book for himself, but really I think this book might be for parents it's just so interesting to read it, I guess, as an adult adult. Whenever I read it before, I think I still felt like a 20-year-old whatever. Um, as an adult adult, it just, it's so much information about how much kids and teens internalize their their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we forget that when we are teens and kids, we have so much shame and weirdness about our own insecurities. And we end up growing up thinking, oh, I was the only kid that thought this, that, and the other. And kids these days are so confident and so direct, and they must actually be that way. And this reminded me, oh, God, no. Kids internalize. Kids are dealing with shit that they will not talk about. They will lie to your face and say that they're fine when they're not. And and you have to know, I'm not even a parent, but I think that's important to know and yeah. remember. Um, so that that's what struck me in the last reading. And again, I think listening to it on Audible, it felt like I was listening to a kid. And that sort of amped up the level of worry for this person. Oh, God, this is a child going through all of this. And he he can't find help. He's struggling to find help. And his family's right. there for him. And he's still struggling to get help. Um so yeah, I, I don't know. It, I feel like he wrote it for himself, but I feel like it's 
It really is for parents. I definitely agree with you that it's for men. It's such a good reminder of what looking for love from a father or a father figure is like. I think women and daughters is a thing that everybody seems to have an understanding of when it comes to their relationship. I think mm-hmm. everybody gets that daughters go through a phase and then their, uh, the women in their lives have trouble um, relating with them and that there can be struggle between daughters as they grow up and the women around them. But what we've been talking about, the same is true for dudes. There are phases of their lives where they struggle uh, with each other, father to son, son to father, you know, cousin to cousin, friend to friend. And we, we just don't really talk about that. We just think the dudes are fine mm-hmm. and, and that that's not the case and that this book reminds us that's not the case. All right, so now that we've kind of gotten through what the themes are of the book, um, we have not told you anything about, you know, plot points, specific things like that, because we don't want to spoil the book for you. We want you to read the book. But now you have an idea of themes, um, what, what you might think about while you're reading, et cetera, et cetera. So, Paul, I ask you this. After reading the last page and the last word, what were your immediate thoughts or feelings about what you had just experienced? You know, the last, <laughs> the last image of this book is just a, it's just like a firework. You can take like a deep breath mm-hmm. because the book really teeters on the knife's edge a couple times. of like, is this going to like fall over into something really awful? Right. Or is this going to, you know, are we going to figure this out? Is everyone going to, you know, more or less be okay? Um, the other thing I think about is, you know, when I first read this book, I, um, I was recommending it to everyone I knew. My mother read it. My sister read it. And my sister <laughs> called me and she said, I love this book and I hate the last line. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wait, why? It, she felt that the very last line, which I'm not going to reveal, but I know you, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. was unnecessary. Mm. It, she thought it was, you know, gilding the lily that that someone should have said this. And, and but now that is some, that is a perspective of a straight person. Yes, yes, it is. So, which is interesting, I think, because the, the last line of the book does have to do with homosexual themes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so this time reading it, I was I purposely didn't look at the last line because I didn't remember exactly what it was. I kind of knew what it was, but I didn't remember it. And and I thought the last line it, it resonated like both better and worse for me. I, I was like, oh, I I understand why she didn't like it, but I also understand why it's there. Yeah. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. I love when I I love when I do anything with you because I just walk away feeling like Paul and I understand each other. The world is okay. I'm not crazy. I, I love it when you and I are on the same page. Um yes, the last line I think is is sort of um how do I want to say? It's necessary, but it's necessary for a reason bigger than the book. Mm-hmm. And and I think that being able to have Ari say that last line is why it needs to be there. Ari has to be right. able to put that into words. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that's why it's important. And I do get why your sister wouldn't understand that as a straight woman, um, whereas you and I are both queer. And, and there's something there for us that's not there for your sister. Um, not to say right. that your sister shouldn't read the book. I'm glad that she read it. And I think that every, I, 
I should have started the podcast by saying this. Just because this is a book by a gay author um, about uh, Mexican-American life does not mean that non-Mexican-Americans and non-gay people shouldn't read the book. On the contrary, I think that it is important for people outside of these um, communities to read this book. Um, yeah. Even if they don't understand. My under- sister is straight, female, and white. Yes, right. She read even- it and loved it. <laughs> yes, even if they don't necessarily understand every single moment that's what google is for or call a friend you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um my thoughts about the last page and the last words were i i guess i was frustrated only because it felt like the beginning and i just wanted more i was like where is book two oh and um and I think that that goes back to the poet thing. This mm-hmm. author is so great at, like you said, the fireworks or, or kind of like the imagery. There are no fireworks, by the way, at the end of this book, guys. Yeah. It no, just no. feels like there are. Yeah. Um, I, I want to be wrapped up and cocooned in this guy's words. <laughs> yeah, you. It's it's so vivid that you don't want it to end, but that's what poetry is. Poetry does not fully explain itself. It creates an image or a mood for your, for you as the reader. And then lets you do what you want with it. Right. And I mm-hmm. felt slapped in the face with his poetness. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. I was just like, no, wait, there, I need more. <laughs> um, but I think that that's, that's exactly what, what's necessary for a book like this. It's so lyrical. It's so beautiful. And, it is the perfect ending, although I can see why people would get frustrated. Anything specific that you loved, a moment or a mood or anything? I have a couple quotes that I would read, which are non-spoilery. Oh, great, great. Do it, do it. I wrote them down in my phone so I could have them with me all the time. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, I, read, I named myself Ari. If I switched the letter, my name was Air. I thought it might be a great thing to be the heir. I could be something and nothing at the same time. I could be necessary and also invisible. Everyone would need me and no one would be able to see me. Yeah, no, that, I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it's, just, it's just a perfect encapsulation of a feeling. Yeah. And then the only other one that I thought was so important, uh, and this is Aristotle about, um, about Dante's father. He didn't care if the whole world knew he was kind. I mean, that's all about masculinity. Yeah. (laughs) That's all about, like, you know, men being men, you know, and and how stupid that entire performance is. (laughs) Right, right. Or not even just stupid, but detrimental. It can be so detrimental if you truly believe that men are not allowed to be kind, or if they are kind, they have to do it in secret. It's, yeah, yeah, I, ugh. You picked great lines. <laughs> the other one I had was the one you read from the first page, which was, I, don't, I didn't care if the sun melted the blue right off the sky and the sky could be as miserable as I was. Yeah. You, you guys, we swear there's happy things in this book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's life of a 15, 16-year-old boy. Like, it's going to yeah. be happy and sad. It's oh. melodrama and tragedy all the time when right. actually everything is pretty normal. Right. And you know what? There's also something to teen angst. This is why YA is a thing. This is why YA mm-hmm. makes so much money is because deep down, we fucking love teen angst. It feels good, no matter how old you are, to be able to step into that 
terrible place and come out on the other side of it. Yeah. For me, I read the first page and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's get sad. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's Give me a rainy sad. day and a cup of hot cider and I'm going to be on this couch all day. I can't wait to start crying. <laughs> this is why people watch Grey's Anatomy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, at it's some like point, why I've seen Steel Magnolias 8,000 times. Exactly. <laughs> at some point on Grey's Anatomy, you're like, I don't care about the heart thing. I just <laughs> want to cry for no good goddamn reason on a Thursday night. Okay, so the things that I love, uh-huh. I you've covered the quotes, so I'm good. I love that so many of the conversations between the boys take place with the parents in the room. Oh, yeah. Um, one in particular I will not spoil, but I was listening to it, and I paused it and got the book and went back and went through it together, looking at the words and listening. And I was like, the parents are in the room for this. The parents are in the room for this. And I love that it's like these two are in their own world and are so innocent and are so trusting of their parents that they're literally having this conversation, not caring that they're standing across the room. And that just makes me so happy that it's between boys and this is happening. Um, And I'm not saying anybody's professing any love. That's, that's, that's no, probably what pe- people are yeah. thinking is happening. Like they're professing their love to each other or something while the parents are in the room. It is not even that. Nope. It's just that they are having a conversation very candidly in front of their parents at 16 years of age. I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, and then I also love how immediately Ari says he likes the sound of Dante's voice. I think that's the first thing that he says he likes about Dante when he meets him. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm a person that loves voices. I love how people sound when they say certain words like noodle. I, I love it when I hear how people say noodle. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, say say noodle. Noodle. I, I'll have the pad thai with the noodles. I'll have the pad thai with the noodles. Ah! <laughs> I don't know. I love it. <laughs> I love the you word know noodle. What? <laughs> you, you, you follow your bliss, girl. Thank you. Thank you. It's weird, but I love it. So this last question is tailored specifically to you, Paul Kaola, because you are a podcaster and you have a show called That Aged Well. And that show is a show where you guys, you and Erica Vialba, watch pop culture from the 80s and 90s and view it through the lens of today. So I asked this because this book was written in 2012, about 1987. And so much has happened in the world since then. I mean, same-sex marriage passing in 2015, the last presidential election. I mean, Grammys have been won by people. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. So much has happened since then. Do you think this book ages well or all parts of this book age well? I think it, I think it does. I think it's very universal overall. And I think that the experience. I mean, I was a kid in the 80s. So I think it ages very, very well in the sense of that universality of everyone's uh, high school experience kind of being miserable on different levels, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Uh, there are a couple dings on it. The brother, mm-hmm. I think, um, 
it must be explored more. Yeah. It is, uh, it's, it's kind of using a, uh, a minority as a, a prop in the story. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that the easiest way to say it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly my thing is that yeah. if you're going to add something like that to the story, you have to give it legit space and simply not use it as an, Oh my God moment. Um, yeah. and, based on what we find out later, it didn't have to be that. So if you're going to pick that, then we need you to pick that for a reason. Yeah, Um, you pick that for some reason. So you have to back it up and it's not totally backed up. And I can see the author, you know, and obviously I don't know this man, but I can see him. It's the, oh my God factor of it. It it makes it worse. So, but you're just making it worse. And that person who is who is being used to make it worse is not granted any um agency whatsoever yeah. Yeah. or any any backstory any any uh real humanity right yeah right? like you said so, it's a prop situation yeah so that i that's not great mm-hmm. um so i w- i would say like overall it ages well i think you can absolutely enjoy it but I, and i think that is the big ding on it i don't think there's anything else about the book that you know, obviously there, it's about people of color. (laughs) So, so it's not, you know, and it's, it's, again, it's a very male book, but I don't think it's a male book in the sense of excluding women. It just happens to be what this book is about. Right. And I think women can appreciate it just in the same way that men should be able to appreciate a story about women if they're not included in it. Right. Yeah. But I do think this is one worth reading, even if you don't fit, even if you are not a man. Yeah. I, I would agree. I, th- I think everyone should read this book. Like you said, it is a story about people of color, but that should not stop everyone um, from checking it out. And it is a story about men and masculinity and intimacy and trust, but that should not stop women uh, from checking it out. It is a book for teens, but it is absolutely also a book for adults. Um, and if you have read it, I highly suggest you read it again. And in fact, I suggest that you allow Lynn manuel Miranda to read it to you. All right. So, Paul, where can we find you um, outside of this podcast episode? Uh, well, you, as you mentioned, I have a podcast. So if you want to follow uh, Erica and I on Twitter, we are That Aged Well Pod on Twitter. On Instagram, we're That Aged Well. And then um, please download uh, and, and subscribe to the podcast, That Aged Well, uh, on, on your podcast provider. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's very – we're pretty comedically minded on it. So, you know, it's – I think we give people some good laughs about uh, these movies that, that you may have seen or you may not have seen, but many people love and a lot of which have some very real problems. More problems in this book, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul is not lying. He and Erica have a great show, so – Check it out. It is a good time. Um, Paul is ever the professional podcaster. And uh, I thank you so much for being a part of this show today and spending some time with me and Aristotle and Dante. And let's do this again soon. Absolutely. I would love to. Thank you for having me. So that's the show. I hope you guys enjoyed hanging out with us while we chatted about Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Um, I didn't do a spoiler section for this book, but I think for future 
book chats, we'll do a spoiler section at the end so that people that have read and want to kind of get into some nitty gritty stuff that happened in the book um, will have a little something at the very, very end of the podcast um, that they the, to listen to that they might enjoy. So that is what I was thinking about as we were doing this is, oh, we should do a spoiler section next time. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Creative Forever. That's Creative, the number four, E-V-R. Don't forget to be creative this week, even if you just think about it. Later.